0: All right, all right. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, I guess I passed the test. They asked me to speak again to you guys. So I couldn't be more happy to be here. But for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Daniel, and my wife and I are the pastors over guest services and the operations here at Jubilee. But I wanted to kind of catch you guys up on what's going on in our lives. A few months ago, I came to you and told you that we are expecting our third child, and we found out the sex, and I wanted to share it with you guys. It is going to be another baby girl. So yes, I got my hands full. We decided the name is going to be John Elway Leach. (laughs) He is not aware of it you know what's funny is I tried I'm a huge Eagles fan and I tried Carson Wentz which is the quarterback of the Eagles last night and everybody's like oh that's a really cute name no one got the joke and I was like okay I guess I'll do John Elway this morning But no, all joking aside, I am so happy to be here with you. You guys uh, make my life so good and my wife's life so good. We love the pastors here on staff, we love our staff, and we love you guys, so thank you so much. But we are in the middle of a series called My Favorite Story, and the whole premise of this is uh, your favorite Christmas story or your favorite story that has to go along with this time of year. And I'm not one to look at Rudolph or Frosty and be like, I can make this a message, so I elected to choose my favorite story around this time of year. So I'm going to paint you the picture and and get to the end of it. Uh, but it started in December of 2018, or that was the culmination of it, but the, the beginning of this story starts at the beginning of 2018. So Holly and I were still over at the Lakewood campus, and we were the youth pastors, the associates over there, and the nursery coordinators, and we had a lot of jobs over there, um, but uh, in February of that year, we found out that a volunteer that was in our youth group ended up being a predator. and. I, you know, I never really verbalized this to anybody, you know, maybe other than my father and my mother and and my wife, but there was some form of like, this is my fault, that I let in a wolf into the sheep's pen, and I'm the shepherd. And then a few months later, the vision of Jubilee changes from multi-site campus to single-site campus, and that's good. I love the vision, but that was another thing that came, what did I do? If we hold all these positions here, what did Holly and I do? And I don't, I don't think it anymore, but I think it's natural for human beings when they're in situations like that to be like, it was my fault. Okay, so when Lakewood was closing and we were giving it to Vineyard, uh, my dad asked me, hey, Daniel, uh, would you be interested in taking over the Lakewood campus? But when I was at YWAM, I know for a fact that God told me, Daniel, you were called to Jubilee lifelong. But here was the thing. If I left Lakewood, I wouldn't be able to preach anymore. And I don't know about you guys, but when God creates you to do something, every time I walk up to pray, every time I do announcements, preach, anything like that, I say, Lord, give me clear speech, cool my nerves. And every single time, he says, Daniel, this is what I created you to do. Every single time. It's the thing that aligns me back up with the Lord. And I don't get my quiet time for preparing messages. I prepare my messages through my quiet time. And there's a huge difference there. There's a lot of pastors out there. There's a lot of people out there that get their quiet time through preparing for other people. And that was my thing. But with me leaving Lakewood, I wouldn't be able to preach anymore. I'd be taking a position where I wouldn't be preaching anymore. But I would rather walk in God's obedience than against his will. So, I chose to come here, and I am so grateful for that job. I am so grateful. So, then comes December 2018, and and as I prefaced, I I was having this feeling of, oh, it's my fault, oh, I can't preach. So, I was in this spiritual funk. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'll be real with you. Pastors get in spiritual funks, it's not all holy all the time, it's actually like never holy, (laughs) it's just spiritual. Okay. So I go to this prayer meeting and Rebecca Murley put it on and we're, we're praying. I saw my dad go and I was like, I better go in there. No, I'm just kidding. He was, I was going either way, but I, I go, we're in there and we're praying for Christmas actually, ironically. And we get to the end and, and Rebecca's closing up with a few words, you know, talking to us about Christmas things. And all of a sudden she stops. And she's staring at me, and it felt like an eternity. And, and it wasn't. It was probably more like five to ten seconds. And she stood up and she said, Daniel, I have a word for you. I have a word for you. And like, let me say, it, the only person that knew where I was at was maybe my parents and my wife. I don't verbalize that kind of stuff very often. So the only people were my parents and my wife. And she stands up, I've got a word for you, Daniel. And she, she gives this long prophecy, but this individual prophecy for me, one of the biggest things said, Daniel, you're a lion waiting to roar. And when you roar, people will hear and you will defeat the enemy. Okay? And for the culmination of all of this happening for the past few months i felt like the lord has put on my heart this individual prophecy for me that i'll be like a lion waiting to roar and when i roar the people will hear and a lion and we will kill the enemy i feel like god wanted to make it a corporate prophecy for you guys today for months god has put this on my heart god wants you to roar god wants you to destroy the enemy so today, I want to talk to you about your roar. And I know you guys all came you know, from shopping and all this, and you're like, okay, you know, it'll be a nice, easy Christmas message. Well, it's not going to be, but it's going to be extremely encouraging to you guys. <laughs> extremely encouraging. I believe God gave me a few good steps, a few good points to help you guys get your roar, to know your roar. And the first one that I want to talk to you about is the power of your roar. And I, I think so often pastors and, and public, you know, speakers, they start with, with something soft and kind of end with the power of something. But what I've noticed when I, uh, there's a speaker that I'm listening to and they end with something like that, I can sometimes walk away discouraged because I'm like, wow, I, I, I don't have those things. I can't do those things. So I thought I would start with the power and then show you that you guys can do these things, that you guys do have power in your roar. I think we as humans, when we hear power, think of the word impact, the impact of something physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, the impact of something. So I have a perfect story that I want to share with you. And I think, have you guys heard of David and Goliath? Hopefully, yeah, I think, I hope, sorry, it's Daniel and Goliath. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I have a twin brother named David, and I'm Daniel, and I love David in the Bible, but I will never tell him that I love That's my favorite character. That's, Daniel's my favorite character. No, but I think ever since, uh, you know, we hear it in Sunday school, and you hear it over and over and over and over again, that it sometimes can delude The message, it can can take away the power of what the true story is. So I want to read the story from 1 Samuel. It's the Philistines have risen up and they've come to Israel. And they are looking to kill the Israelites, to enslave the Israelites. And not one single person in the entire country is willing to stand up other than a teenager. Teenager. It was the acts of a teenager, guys. Realize that. So let me read you this story. It's 1 Samuel 17, 42 through 47. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spirit that the Lord saves For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Holy cow. The power of that. How do we read this over and over and over and just kind of dumb down the power of this? This was a giant. And David's a teenager. And who who has the boldness? Who has the gumption to go up and say, I will cut your head off? I don't know about you. I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be scared. But David has power in his roar. I think we often think that that when you hear roar, it's just verbally saying something. But the honest truth is it is in direct relationship with the actions of how you do things. Your roar is your actions and your voice. And David knew that. Because of what David did that day. He took the affliction of all the Israelites Not just for the people that were there, but for people that weren't even born yet. See, when you roar with your actions and with your voice, you make the impossible possible. You open the door to take away affliction. If you want to see what... It did it later in Israel. So after David went on the run, he's a teenager. You know, wait, wait in chapter 16, okay, he was uh, anointed to be king. He was anointed to be king over Israel. And the very next chapter is where he killed Goliath, okay? There's, here, listen to me, church, there's a huge difference. There's a difference between waiting and actively waiting. In other words, you're actively hoping, you're looking for that opportunity where you can roar actively wait in your life? Do you want to see the ramifications of what he did that day? In 2 Samuel, I'm not going to read this. I'll just give you the back story. In 2 Samuel 21, 16 through 22. The, the Philistines have risen back up. And they've, they've, they're powerful. They've come back with more giants. David is king now. And, and they have come back to fight to conquer the Israelites. Okay? And this is a little nugget, guys, that a lot of people, when they read, they don't realize that this actually happened. Okay? So they come back, and they're coming to kill the Israelites. And, and, and instead of David going out and destroying the giants, it was his military leaders that went out and destroyed the leaders. See, because of his actions that one day, it gave the people the boldness to go out and to roar and to kill those giants. So let me ask you, church, what are the giants in your life? We face very different giants compared to what David did. Is it addiction? Is it anger? Is it depression? Anxiety? Church, I really feel like God told me to speak this message to encourage you and tell you that all you have to do is run towards that giant in the Lord and roar yeah. and destroy that, that, that giant in your life. God doesn't want you to have this giant. God wants you to do this because guess what? When you destroy this giant, it not only affects you, it affects your kids, your kids' kids in generations to come. You set free giants in generations when you destroy the giants now. Go, dance. Go out and destroy those giants in your life. Yes. You might be asking yourself, well, Daniel, is this really true? Do you have like something today to prove it? You are sitting in a room of two people 22 years ago that decided to face their giants of self-doubt, of fear, and they came down here, planted this church. You want to see proof? You're sitting in it. Yes. Yes. There is proof all over. And you can. You can do this. My first point is the power of your roar. The power of your roar. And I know that some of you at this point are thinking, oh, Daniel, you know, this is, like I said, I'm, this is discouraging. I don't have power with my roar. I don't have a roar. So, my next point that I want to talk to you about is finding your roar. I feel like what God told me to tell you guys today is that every single last one of you in this room already has a roar. No matter your age, no matter your sex, no matter your ethnicity, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, you have a roar. One of the greatest things that I ever heard on this topic in an article goes this way. If we're not careful, the desire to find your voice will mean the places you already have a voice and influence will be neglected. Let me read that again to you guys. If we're not careful, the desire to find your voice will mean the places you already have a voice and influence will be neglected. So pretty much what this is saying is that when we're like, I need a voice, I need a voice to more people, I need a voice to more people, that you already have a sphere of influence. And if you're not taking care of the sphere of influence that you're a part of, then who's going to roar to them? Who's gonna speak life to them? Because guess what? We live in a day and age where we have everything coming from school, from social media, from TV, from movies. If you're not roaring into the life of people around you, then those will. You have a responsibility for the people around you. Every last one of you in this room has a roar. Every last one of you. So you might be asking, Daniel, I, I, I'm taking responsible of, of responsibility of the people around me already, but I want to gain in, in spheres of influence. I want to, to gain in that. Let me give you a hint. It comes through a simple hello and then being repeatable, doing it over and over and over again. I'll give you a perfect example. Have you guys ever heard of Miles Cafe? Yeah, my sister Amy. Amen. Okay. It's a breakfast joint in Castle Rock, and it is delicious. Okay. And I have gone there for four years. That's where I write my messages. And I actually meet one of my good buddies there uh, almost every Thursday. Uh, But through that, I've been able to develop a relationship with the owners, the employees, and to the point where, you know, hi, Daniel, how are you, blah, 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 blah. You know, We talk, we chat. But because of just a one simple hello and me going over there over and over and over again, there was this one day where the, the manager, or the owner actually, was about to go into knee surgery. And they know I'm a pastor. And I said, hey, uh, Donna, would you mind if I, I prayed for you? And let me remind you, this is in the middle of the busiest time for them. Like, it's, 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 it's breakfast time. There's like 70 people in there. It's a small joint. And it is packed. And she's running around. And, and she goes, uh, like, looks around. And she's like, sure. Because she didn't want to lose my business, probably. <laughs> but, but she let me. So I got down on one knee. And I was able to grab her knee. And I was able to pray for her. And I don't I don't think it healed her. I know that she still had surgery, but I wasn't looking just to heal her. I was looking to influence her. I was looking to influence the people around her. I was looking to influence the people that were in that restaurant. People that see that, that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Guys, once you've discovered or recovered your roar, please listen to me. Do not rush your roar. Take in your roar. Cultivate it. You don't have to look any further than the best story ever told in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ started his ministry at 30 years of age. In the time before that, he was mentioned at 12. So I've always wondered, and maybe you guys have, what happened during those 18 years? What happened? See, I'm, I'm going to take a bold step here. I'm not putting words into the Bible, but this is what I, just an opinion, a pure opinion. I believe during that time, Joseph, Mary, and the friends around Jesus were cultivating and helping Jesus grow into his gifts. Cultivating and helping him grow in his roar. I mean, it's not too bold of a statement. I mean, it makes sense. So when he was ready to roar, when he was ready to show his giftings, he was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Never rush your roar. Parents, listen to me. The second that you get married, the second that you have kids, the most important sphere of influence in your life is your home. Yep. Then, Say it again, I, f- I forgot. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Parents. Parents, and people that are about to have kids, the most important sphere of influence that you have in your life is your home. Are we cultivating those dreams? Are we letting our kids dream? I'm not, right now Malachi and I are talking about the Eagles and Cowboys. They play today. So please, first off, please be praying for the Eagles. Okay? They need all the help they can get right now. Malachi right now, he's, I know he's going to grow up and be a Broncos fan, which I hate, but I like the Broncos. I just want my son to be an Eagles fan. But right now we're going through, he goes, hey, daddy, we don't like the Cowboys, do we? No, no, we like the Eagles. I'm like, yes, sir, we do. But kid, parents, married couples, are we letting them grow into their gifting, into their calling? Are we pushing them? Are we correcting them? Like I said earlier, if you guys aren't roaring into your kids' lives, into your spouse's life, somebody is. That's your biggest responsibility. It's the most important sphere of influence that you have. So I know there's some of you in this room right now that are thinking, you know, what, what, what what if I feel mature in my roar? What if I already have my roar? But if I feel comfortable in my roar? Then I would say your next responsibility is to help people find, discover, and recover their roars. And I have a perfect story in the Bible. And it is in Exodus, uh, let me see here. Exodus 4, 10 uh, through 17. And it goes, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths, who makes them deaf or mute, who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the, uh, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put your words in your mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if you were uh, your mouth and as if uh, you were God to him. Uh, But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. There's two things that I want to show you here, okay? First off. Is that God, if you feel uncomfortable with speaking, God will send someone to help you. Okay, if you're uncomfortable with speaking, that doesn't mean you have to be up here to speak. Okay, you can speak anywhere. But the bigger point that I want to show is the last verse in it. It says, but grab your staff. I want you to do your signs with it. So what God is saying is that your voice is as equal as your actions. He made sure that Moses grabbed his staff so he could perform the actions. He said, we'll worry about the voice later. We'll worry about the voice later. You'll build into that. Okay, Aaron was the voice to the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt, and even for a while while they were in in exile. But by the end of Moses' life, he was the voice to the Israelites. If you want to find your roar, if you want to continue with your roar, then you focus on the actions, and with the voice it will come. God will send somebody. Maybe you have to take action too. Asking somebody, hey, help me discover this. Asking for help. Guys, every single one of you in this room has a roar. Every last one of you. I'm here today because of multiple people roaring in my life. Multiple. See, here's a perfect example. You think you have to be up here to roar into people's life? My sister Amy had a roar up here, but the most impactful roar she's ever had was when she's not up here to me. The way she's poured into me the past year, I think she did know what I was going through in that time where I couldn't preach. She was the one encouraging me. Another word to get me to this place, since I'm talking about my sister, I'll talk about my other sister. My sister Katie has incredible dreams. That's the way that the Lord speaks to her. That is not the way the Lord speaks to me. I had two dreams this week. Actually, I had another one last night. I never remember dreams, and I find it's ironic that I'm talking about a dream. I had a dream I was playing one-on-one Risk with myself. It was the most boring game of Risk I've ever played. No one won. But... No one lost either. So I had another dream where Holly and I were just driving, not talking, just driving for all night. I had a dream last night that Ezra, which is Katie's kid, took my keys and threw it in the toilet. And I was like, oh, you were my kid. <laughs> no, just kidding. Woo. No, but Katie, when I was about 19, she comes to me and I was living in Fort Collins. And to be completely honest with you, I was not living the greatest of lives. I was having a good time. I was, I, that was, that's what I was getting my degree in, is having a good time. Okay, I was there to have fun. And Katie comes to me, and she goes, Daniel, I had a dream, and I believe it's spiritual. And I go, okay. And she goes, I had a dream that you died. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, do you mean like, like spiritual or physical? And she's like, I don't know. And she goes, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I know the Lord's speaking to me about you. It takes boldness for a sister, and she's tiny. I mean, I'm, I'm a lot taller than she is, a lot bigger than she is. It takes boldness to do that. And she came to me, and she told me that. And there was multiple other things of people telling me these things that finally it came to the culmination of me leaving Fort Collins and going to YWAM. And from there, I met my wife from there. I've had kids from there. I've started pursuing being a pastor. I was in facilities forever. Finally got the opportunity to be a pastor. But it's from people's roars in my life, people having the boldness to speak into my life that have gotten to me to where I am today. Thank you. Thank you, (laughs) thank you. Guys, you have a roar. You have a roar, and please realize that. Please be encouraged by that. The next thing that I wanted to talk to you about with the next step of finding your roar is listening to the roar. Okay, and this, in my opinion, is the most important part because I think that's probably what the church struggles with the most today. Listening to the roar or recognizing the roar. I once heard a quote by uh, Lester Summerall. Let me find it here. Uh, it's Dave or Lester Summerall. I can't remember if it was the father or the son. But it said, our obedience hinges on people's eternities. Our obedience hinges on people's eternities. Church, can I be real with you? There was a one time I was living in... in um, I just got married and I was, I, was, I was leaving to go work out and my, this guy was moving out and, 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 I, and I felt like the Lord said hey I want you to go help him move so I flipped around by the time I came back he was upstairs, his garage was still open and I, I waited there five minutes he didn't come back out so I left and I went to work out and while I was working out the Lord said to me Daniel are you only willing to wait five minutes to be obedient to me and man It broke me in the middle of 24-hour fitness. It broke me. And I knew this quote at the time. So I get my stuff and I drive back and I get to the garage and it's closed. I never saw that man again. And I don't know what what the Lord's going to do, but what if my opportunity in order to get him to eternity was right there and I was only willing to wait five minutes and I left? Church, we listen to the Lord's voice so we can change people's eternities. It broke me, guys. You might be asking yourself, Daniel, how do I know what the Lord's voice is? How do I hear the voice of the Lord? How do I know it's him or myself? I once heard Dan DeMay say to me when he was speaking, he said, the Lord sounds a lot like Dan DeMay does. And in it, for me, the Lord sounds a lot like Daniel does. And for you, the Lord sounds a lot like blank. See, the way that you can tell if it's yourself or if it's the Lord, the Lord never contradicts the Bible. So dive into the Bible. Learn the personality of the God you serve. Hearing the voice of the Lord is like any other muscle. You have to train it, you have to work it out, you have to build it. Ask my dad. Do you remember when I came to you and I said, I I don't hear from the Lord. I don't hear from the Lord. And exactly what I am telling you today is what he told me. And I hear from the Lord. And I think on the other part of listening to the roar, is yes, one, to save the people's eternity, but this is the other one. When you hear the voice of the Lord, it calms you. It takes fear away from you. It encourages you. And You may be thinking to yourself, Daniel, yeah, if that's true. Then why am I not calm? Have you guys ever seen the movie Sixth Sense? I know a lot of you are like, "Whoa, he's going to talk about the Sixth Sense in church." Yeah, but it's a good story. So listen, when I was two years old, Jake showed me. Jake, Pastor Jake, showed me the Sixth Sense. I was two. No, I'm just kidding. I was like ten years old. <laughs> I was like two years old. And, and we're in Vegas visiting him, and he's like, Hey, Daniel, David, you want to watch a really cool movie? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. We watch it, and it doesn't face David at all. Jake's like, All right, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, Jake, can we turn on Fat Albert, please? Please. And I kid you not, I watched Fat Albert all night long. Has anybody had one of those movies in your life where it's just like mentally just messed with you? This messed with me for like a year. I paid my brother to sleep in his room on his floor. I used to to rub his back to sleep on his floor. And he'd be like, he totally took advantage of me, too. Okay, Dan, you know, my shoulders, you know, you know give, me some, give me $2. So I, I did it. And then finally, six months later, he's like, I'm sick of you sleeping on my floor. He's like, I need my own room. And my parents were like, I'm sick of you sleeping on his floor. So they, like, made a deal with me. And they said, uh, there's two things that they did for me. One, they gave me my life scripture, which is Romans 8.31, if God is for you, who can stand against you? And then two, they gave me a tape player and they said, you can listen to music. And I was like, great. So I, with this, I didn't wanna listen to music. But what I wanted to do is at this time we were still at the storefront in our church and we still had these cassette tapes. And after every single message that my father spoke, I went to Dan DeMay and I said, Dan, can I have one of my dad's tapes? And I'd go home and I would go put it in my tape player. And I would listen to my father's voice every single night, switching it over and back, over and back, over and back. I was leaning on every single word because you know why? It calmed me. It took the fear away. It encouraged me. Church, that is what the Lord wants to do for you guys. He wants to be that calming voice in your life. He wants to encourage you. He wants to take self-doubt away. He wants to take self-hatred away. You know, I haven't said that in any other service and I really feel like the Lord's saying that there's somebody in this room right now that's dealing with self-hatred. And the Lord is saying, lean into me and hear my voice and let me take this away. I don't know who that person is, but I believe that God ordained the day you were born that you would be here today to bring encouragement to you today. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. God wants to meet you where you're at and he wants to calm you. Life is precious. You know, I wasn't gonna say this and I don't want anybody to come up after and congratulate me or anything like this, um, but with this whole word that, of self-hatred. Um, on Friday night, I was walking my sister out from a Christmas party, and I was carrying her bags and, of, of gifts, and, and Jay was sick, and she was carrying her baby, and Ezra was on the sidewalk, and out of nowhere, my little bolts into the middle of the street, and there's this just I don't know if it was a teenager or what, but going 40 miles an hour. And I think Malachi has trained me like this because he's all over the place. So I see the car and I see Milo. I throw the bags and I grab Milo and I turn my back to him, to the car, and I jump out of the way. And some of you know I have a bad knee and I hurt my knee. But I was willing to do that because every moment, every life matters. It's the small moments where it starts, church. If you want your roars to grow, if you want to be able to have a power of your roar, if you want to find your roar, it starts with listening to the roar. Milo's life is precious to me. And you know, I just reacted, and, and honestly, the past two nights, it's been really hard. I was sh- shaking, I mean, the car came really, like I, 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 I told Katie, no one will understand how close that came. I can verbalize it to you guys, but we were both shooken up. I put on the line, my, me being with my family. I didn't even think about it, it was just reaction. And God is saying to that, to that person today, it is reaction, he is saving you today. He is bringing life to you today. He is taking away that self-hatred. He is bringing in self-love, the good kind of self-love. He wants you to be joyous. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to live free. Listen, church. Listen, that person. Take this encouragement. You are loved here. You are wanted here. You are needed here. In the same way that my sister came to me out of boldness and prophesied. You know, in, in reality, it was big for me. It was big for her. But there was other roars in my life that were small. People just coming. And I asked myself, you know, what would be a plausible way to, to help the people in, in, in this service of, of actually acting out what I'm preaching? And it just so happened that this weekend, we have invitation cards that they made. And I thought, Lord, is this, are you doing something here? And I felt like what he said is, Daniel, tell them it starts in the small moments. It starts in the small roars. It starts with just grabbing a card, inviting somebody. And if we run out of cards, use your roar. Yeah. Yes, yes. I have a good church. And you may be thinking, yeah, you're a pastor. You just want as many people here. Yeah, you're right. But I just don't want them here for here. I want them here so God can save them, so God can speak to them. Yes. 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 Church. You guys have a roar. And I pray, I pray, I pray that this brings encouragement to you guys before all the wild stuff of Christmas come. I love you guys. I truly, truly do. And anybody that knows me on a personal level knows that I love my church. I love the people in my church. Would you guys join me in prayer? Lord, you've done something special today. I pray as people leave their room, as they leave this church, that this message would stick with them. That this message would would strike their heart, that it would strike their soul, Lord, that they would be encouraged. Lord, let the church be encouraged today. I want them to be encouraged. I feel like that was what you put on my heart months ago. That in order for them to receive this corporate prophecy, that it would take encouragement, Lord. I know I brought the encouragement, so I just lift up your name right now. And I pray for the corporate prophecy that we are a lion waiting to roar. And when we roar, we will destroy the enemy. I pray that every last person in this room would receive that prophecy in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are so good.